We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. It is episode seven hundred forty-seven of the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome in, happy Monday. Welcome to the start of your week. If you're wondering who the hell I am, uh, well, hi, I'm Alex Strofe. This is. Uh, my first episode as a member of the Packaday team. Very honored to be here. Uh, and this is a brand new, what I what I think I'm going to refer to as a super team because I think it's that darn good. Uh, we'll be with you every other Monday starting today, August 10th. So joining me on this uh, aforementioned super team is the founder of the Packaday podcast, Andy Herman. Hi, Andy. How are you? Hey, Alex. Thanks so much. I am incredibly excited. I think this is absolutely a super team. I could not be more pumped uh, to be joined by you and by Perry, uh, and welcome officially to the team. I appreciate that a lot, and yeah, I was going to say, we have somebody that's a whole lot smarter than both of us, and Perry Goldstein joining us from New York, and Perry, hi, good to work with you, very, very excited, looking forward to working with both of you. Oh my gosh, these high expectations. Well, I have the biggest smile (laughs) on my face because I think this is going to be awesome and i can't wait to do this every other week with you guys yeah it doesn't get much better than, than talking packers and you guys have been doing it uh, a while at a high level so I, i'm i'm really honored you think uh, you're both stupid enough to allow me to, to join you so, uh, I'll, I'll try uh to I'll, I'll try pretty hard not to take the keys and drive this thing into the ditch but we'll do what we can uh, but with that, that, that's your team. We'll be joining you every other Monday, starting today. But with that, let's let's dive right into uh, some things from 
over the weekend on Sunday, uh, head coach Matt LaFleur, as well as what we can assume is wide receiver two, Alan Lazard, met with the media, and we're just going to hit on, on some notes from there. So, Andy, I'll start your direction from either of those. Any big takeaways uh, that you saw from about the 40 minutes of video conferencing we had on Sunday? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway, you know, Matt LaFleur talked a lot about MBS. He talked about Alan Lazard today. Um, of course, you know, he kind of, uh, excuse me, Alan Lazard talked a little bit about the receiver room as well. And just everything kind of dawned on me. And we've been talking about the wide receiver position since basically the dawn of the offseason, you know, since the end of the San Francisco game up until today. And it just kind of strikes me that, you know, after hearing both of those guys today, and it just kind of, uh, it, it kind of, you know, nailing it home, if you will. And even Roger, early in a press conference this year went uh, went one by one over his receivers and how excited he is about this group. To me, this is the year of the wide receiver, and this is the year of this, the wide receiver room. You know, it sounds like everyone in that in that organization has confidence in the receivers that are in that room. You could hear it today again from Matt Lafleur. You could hear it from uh, Alan Lazard. You know, he kind of joked around a little bit about. You know how everyone in that room thought it's kind of like a running joke of how everyone thinks that they need to add additional pieces to that wide receiver room. And it, it just, you know, spoke to me that, uh, again, you know, Alan Lazard feels like, uh, you know, that they have the talent there. In fact, earlier in the offseason, he did an interview, uh, obviously here on the Packaday podcast team. Um, he also did an interview, I believe, with Jimmy Christensen of our, our team as well. Um, I, I forget which one it was in, but he mentioned Jake Kumaro as the guy that he thought could break out multiple times, uh, EQ and MBS. And again, and Alan Lazard have been brought up. We know what Devontae Adams can do. And I just feel like at the end of the day, this is going to be a season that really speaks to whether or not the receivers are actually up to the task. And Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst in that wide receiver room were correct, that they didn't really need to add additional pieces. They have the talent in that room. And I really think that starts and ends in a way with Alan Lazard. We know what Devontae Adams can do. I love the, the wide receiver two moniker that was tossed around today and that you just mentioned as well. I think he's ready for it. I kind of wrote an article in the same vein earlier this offseason. I do not think he's going to follow in the footsteps of a Jared Boykin or Geronimo Allison and just kind of fall off the face of the earth at some point. I think yeah. he's ready, and I'm really excited to see what these wide receivers are going to do. Uh, what was your takeaway, Perry? I had two, I think, and, and the first one being is just like the confidence from the coaches and from Rodgers and from Devontae on the rest of the wide receivers just speaks volumes to me, and I don't know why everyone else in sort of the football universe is not taking that to heart and is not like, okay, obviously the general manager, the head coach, the quarterback, and the wide receiver one all feel like the room is strong and can deliver on game day. Like, why don't we just let this narrative rest and see what happens on in week one? Um, and so I don't know if it's lip service from all of them, but I just feel like it's not. I don't see any of those people sort of giving out false confidence. Um, I think in season two of Matt LaFleur's offense, like we might really see it all come together. He talked a lot about MVS's ankle injury um, and a little bit of his confidence, confidence issues. Um, and, you know, I just kind of want to see it all put together on the field. And then my second takeaway was like just the fact that Alan Lazard was given his own media session, like yeah. also said a lot to me. Like, yeah. I mean, if you think about all the other guys that are getting them, they're all those sort of like, bona fide starter, sort of big name guys, like the Smiths we saw yesterday, Rogers, Devontae, and then Alan Lazard. And it's just, 
he's stepping in and they're giving him the space to step into that wide receiver two role. And he's so calm and collected and confident and talked a lot about his connection with Rodgers and what that trust means to him. And I just think that they're giving him the space to grow into that role speaks volumes. Yeah, really well said. And not to backpedal too much, but you, you both bring up, obviously, the confidence surrounding the wide receiver room. And I just pulled a, a small quote from Alan Lazard today. Uh, when he was asked about the team not drafting a wide receiver, what does that say about, about the, uh, the wide receiver room? He said, quote, yes, it was a little bit of a vote of confidence, knowing that they understand what we have in this room. It's not just me. It's not just Devontae. We have Jake. Getting EQ back is huge. So uh, no mention of MVS, but uh, some other guys in that room and shows that he, as well as Devontae and Aaron, as mentioned, uh, have a lot of confidence in this room. Yeah, and speaking of confidence, too, the other main takeaway I had is I want somebody to talk about me the way that Matt LaFleur has talked about Josiah DeGuerra uh, <laughs> right. on multiple occasions. Like, as soon as Josiah was drafted and LaFleur was on the call, like, he was beaming about drafting Josiah DeGuerra, and then he spoke very highly of him again today and how intelligent he is and how he's picking up the offense and installs. And, uh, you know, I saw a couple people comment about how it, it kind of feels like how they were talking about Elton Jenkins a season ago is kind of how it seems like they're talking about Josiah DeGuerra. I know it's early. I know he hasn't even really been on a true practice field yet, but my goodness, there is certainly seemingly a lot of confidence from Coach LaFleur uh, in Josiah DeGuerra, to say the least. Yeah, he said a lot today about how much he's picking up the offense and how smart he is and just how the team in general, I think, is is picking up the, you know, the you know, being in the room and, and the playbook and everything. And I was, I think something that stuck out to me today in LaFleur's presser was um, kind of how this sort of weird off season, how they've been um, on Zoom. And then so they've had to send out recordings and, and it's allowed some of the guys who may not thrive in, you know, the typical setting um, have been able to sort of digest it in a way that makes sense to them and have been able to take notes and pause and ask questions and, and really um, study uh, in that sort of different way other than in the room. And I, I felt like that was super interesting. And I'm wondering if that's going to be something that they change going forward or something they take away from this sort of COVID affected off season and allowing the players to maybe study in whatever way is most comfortable or makes the most sense for their like brains to, to digest everything. That's a great point, Perry. And I think just like any other job, right, we've realized that Zoom meetings are, are very possible. And it's going to be interesting to see even past this, this COVID uh, pandemic we're in the middle of, of course, what they do even with media and press conferences, because uh, for the most part, this has run pretty smooth. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how all sorts of things change going forward uh, in, in regards to how they've been done the, the last four or five months. Yeah, I think that, you know, especially the Zoom calls, you know, with the media, I think it's got, as, as, as soon as they figured out uh, Zoom and how to mute everyone so that everyone was finally uh, not talking and having things going on in the background and everything else, ever since then, that's worked out really well. I know for me personally, um, you know, obviously I have a full, full-time job during the week. So uh, to be able to cover the Zoom conferences and hop on a, you know, 15 to 20 minute Zoom call rather than, you know, drive to Lambeau for, you know, 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back and then attend it for 30, 35 minutes 
minutes. Um, it's been a super huge game changer for me and has really allowed me uh, in a lot of ways to be more productive. So I do think that there's obviously value in, in locker, you know, the locker room availability and being able to talk to guys in that setting. And obviously that's not going to happen this season, but I do agree with you. I think, you know, there are some positives from it and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do going forward. I just think like, you know, not everything can be sort of negative and detrimental here. And like, maybe there are some sort of lessons or like alternatives, I guess you would say to um, learning the playbook or even like you said, Andy, like a media availability just gives people more of an opportunity to be engaged with the team. Um, And so I'm curious, you know, once things hopefully one day maybe go back to to normal, if, if they keep some of some of these in place. You'll have to imagine they have to, but I guess uh, I guess we will see as we continue to, to navigate through what has been the wackiest year maybe ever. Um, so we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, obviously, lots of Zoom calls happening as we get into the full swing of things and lead up to what we hope will eventually be a football season. Uh, so we will we will continue to break down all those pressers here on Pack a Day. But this week marks a uh, a start of something uh, that is a lot of fun. A big series. Uh, previewing pretty much every position uh, on the Green Bay squad. So uh, we are the Monday crew, and it starts today. So we get to start with a position that has not really been talked about at all in the last four months for the Packers. (laughs) We start with the quarterback position. So uh, obviously three uh, important players on the roster, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, and Tim Boyle, of course, the current Uh, Packers quarterbacks on the squad. So we'll start with this question. I think we'll probably have a unanimous answer across the board here. Uh, But we'll start with this. Do you think Green Bay will keep three quarterbacks in 2020? Perry, I'll toss it to you first. Definitely. Um, I I don't think it's a question of why. I mean, obviously, if, God forbid, anyone got sick and and had to go on the COVID list, um, you want to make sure that you have, you know, you're now – Quarterback two is quarterback one and, and a backup just in case. So I think it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, 100% agreed. And I think Matt LaFleur even kind of tipped his hand a little bit in his press conference last week where he basically said something to the extent of, you know, these are the three quarterbacks that are going to be on the roster. He, he kind of gave himself a little bit of an out at the end just in case. But um, you could kind of glean and read between the lines that that, that certainly seems to be their intention. And I just think it, they've, they've mentioned a little bit, and we're going to get into this more in a moment, I know, but they've even made mention of the fact of thinking about quarantining, a, a you know, one of the quarterbacks on the roster. And I think, you know, if you're doing that, if you're keeping one completely quarantined, you would think the other two have to be the kind of starter and the backup on game days, because obviously you can't keep those two completely separate. So it just makes sense to me that this is a obvious situation where you have to have three quarterbacks on the roster. And to me, there is zero reason that you would want to get rid of any of the three quarterbacks on the roster right now anyway. Um I know I'm a little bit of a Tim Boyle truther, and I know that, but uh, I also think at this point there's just nothing that he's shown. He's in, in back-to-back seasons, uh, you know, he's basically beat out Deshaun Kaiser and Brett Humley, and I think it's, you know, I know that we're going to talk about this next as well, but I think it's going to really be interesting to see, you know, who wins that backup quarterback position as camp breaks. Yeah, let, let's get right into it. Uh, you know, who who? there's no preseason this year, so that makes it even that much more interesting. Jordan Love won't have any sort of preseason live action heading into the regular season, so that makes this this topic a, li- a little bit uh, more complicated. So I'll pose it, Andy, like you said. Who, who do you think is the backup come week one? 
I think I tried to ask Matt LaFleur this, and obviously I knew I was kind of going to get the answer of, well, we haven't even started practice yet. I was hoping to more glean from him, you know, what he thought or would he even feel comfortable going into a a season with a backup who hasn't even had a chance to play into a preseason game. Um, He probably wisely avoided that part of the question. But, uh, you know, I just can't imagine that you're you're really doing Jordan Love any favors if you're going to make him the backup in week one without ever stepping foot on a football game in any sort of capacity. And, I mean, it obviously makes it tough because at what point do you do that? Do you just basically redshirt him and, you know, put him in a situation where, you know, he doesn't get any time or action until – uh, you know, until preseason next year, and, and how much does that affect him moving forward? But I, I just think when you have a quarterback who has been with this team now for a few seasons and has won this, the the backup position, uh, beat out you know Deshaun Kaiser and Brett Hundley, knows the offense, um, and I, I kind of talked about this a little bit um, on a couple different podcasts, but. Sometimes when you have a player like Tim Boyle, it's almost like you have a brand new car that you haven't driven off the lot yet. And what I mean by that is as soon as you drive it off the lot and you use it, it immediately devalues a little bit. With Tim Boyle, you know, he's kind of still on the lot in the fact that we don't know exactly what we have in him yet, what he is going to bring to the table. And in a way that there, there's still kind of a, a fresh new car feel to him that we don't know. He could be really good. He could be terrible. And we just don't know. I think that's kind of a unique aspect for him. And because of that, I do think that potentially he gets the nod as the number two quarterback as, as the season opens. Oh, I kind of I oscillate between it being Jordan Love and Tim Boyle just kind of for the similar reasons, Andy. Like, obviously, Tim Boyle has been in the system for longer, and he knows the playbook well. He sat behind Rodgers. He, you know, he could go in, and, and you could trust that he kind of knows what he's doing on the field. But then at the same time is you took a quarterback in <laughs> round one, and you yeah. – traded up for him and to have him be quarterback three just feels a little off to me. And I don't think that, I think it is a little bit the situation, right? Like if we had preseason games and we could see what Jordan Love could do. And if he was right, like kind of at the developmental level that they think he is when he drafted him, I think he would be a shoe in for the backup role. But at the same time, he doesn't have that opportunity. But then again, I don't want to stunt his development by him not getting those reps as the backup. So I don't I think it's going to be a little bit of a delicate situation where we have to make sure that whoever is the backup is actually ready to go in if for some reason that had to be a thing. Hopefully it's just a quarter four because we're killing the other team situation, <laughs> not like the alternative. But um, I just I think there's a really fine line between you know, if we do believe that Jordan Love is that quarterback of the future going to step into that that starting role at some point, like making sure he actually goes through the development they want him to, but also understanding the backup needs to, like, really know the book. Yeah, Yeah, I... Oh, sorry, Alex. I agree with that. If this had been a normal offseason, I would have 100% unequivocally said Jordan Love's probably your backup just on optics alone. Um, it would be really tough to, you know, have your first round, you know, guy that you traded up for be the third string quarterback to break camp. It just doesn't look good. Um, but because I think of the situation, they, I think it does give them a little bit of leeway. And just to kind of go, um, you know, kind of in the opposite direction, I don't necessarily know that it's a disservice to put him as the number three and hurt his development. I think it almost in a way... If he would all of a sudden, like, if he goes into week one as the backup 
and something were to happen to Rodgers in the first quarter, I almost think you're more doing him more of a disservice yeah. Yeah. by actually putting him in that situation and being like, well, here you go. You've got three quarters against Minnesota's defense. Um, you've never played in a game. You've never had a preseason game like anything. You know, right. good luck, kid. You no, know, for and, sure. Yeah. You know, I think that almost does him more of a disservice. So I will say, and again, this is I know another conversation we're going to get to in a second, and maybe we can just kind of transition into it now. But yeah, let's do it. I think the I think the dynamic does change if you know if it's if we're talking about like. Rodgers going down for a series or a quarter or a game or a couple games, to me, Tim Boyle makes a lot more sense in that situation. You know, heaven forbid if Aaron Rodgers were to go down for an extended period of time and it looked like he was not going to be able, you know, make it back for the season or maybe until really late in the season, then I think you probably start ramping up the conversation of saying, you know what, let this is not going to be probably a season where we're going to be ultra competitive anyway. Mm-hmm. Let, let's just start developing Jordan because that might be the most valuable thing that we can get out of this season at that point no that's yeah that's well said and it's all hypotheticals right so I mean the original question the way I posed it was was who will be the backup week one and I think you know when I look at that I think it's Boyle but if Rodgers goes down week one yeah Boyle's the guy that will come in but say that happens in I don't know Andy and Perry week six Rodgers goes down and he's out six weeks then where do you turn to? Do you mm-hmm. go to Boyle for the the remainder of that first game and then you know let him battle it out the following week? Do you go to Love right away? I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, directions you can go, and it just makes it a lot uh, stickier of a situation with the lack of preseason games this year. And we can keep uh, bringing that that factor up, but uh, it's going to be really interesting to see the way that Lafleur does rank these guys going into Week One because th- there's there's no right answer. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we drafted Jordan, obviously, because he's not going to start, and they understand that there are some fundamentals that they need to work on with him. So I do agree with you, Andy, like throwing him in if something happened week one would not be good for him. It wouldn't be good for the team. It wouldn't be good for him mentally. Um, I feel like the NFL media, not that we care about that, would just rip him apart. Um, So I I think, yeah, week one, okay, okay. I, I'll make a decision. I think it'll be Boyle. But, I, again, as Alex said, what if it's like week six and you're like, okay, maybe this is a lost season. Do we just sort of let our, our new guy in there to get, get those practice reps? Like maybe it would be good for him with less pressure. Um, but, again, like we drafted him so that he wasn't going to be a starter, you know, this mm-hmm. season at least maybe not even next season either, like knowing that he had things to work on. And so um, I think basically Aaron Rodgers just needs to stay healthy <laughs> is what yeah. we're getting at. <laughs> I think that makes the most sense. I think we'll just keep him healthy. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to keep spoiling, you know, future topics here because I, I guess that's what I get to yeah, do. Yeah, you're hitting, you're hitting about 750 here, Andy, on spoiling what we're going I am. Yeah. I am. But, you know, if we do talk about, you know, them potentially quarantining a quarterback, I just think that that is tailor-made for a rookie quarterback who needs to pick up the playbook and work on fundamentals. I just go back to Aaron Rodgers, and you look at him coming out in his first couple seasons. Rodgers was not ready to play his first couple years at all. You know, he had the weird uh, motion. His footwork was all out of whack. Um, He just was not confident inside the pocket. And I know there's a lot of differences now. There's no, you know, quarterback school that the quarterbacks can necessarily go to. There's a severe lack in uh, practice reps that are available with the, the new CB 
NBA and everything like that. But um, you talk about an opportunity for Jordan Love. You know, if he can't, if he has to be quarantined from the rest of the quarterbacks, I mean, there is plenty for him to work on. Like, get your launch point right. Make sure that your footwork is pristine. Make sure that you understand the playbook inside and out. And if you can master all of that in this weird, bizarre season so that you go into season two and you can do all of that stuff, you know the cadence, you know the calls, you know the audibles, you know the blitz pickups, you know the footwork, you know where you want the ball to be. Like, there is so much value in that for Jordan Love in his first season um, and as he progresses in his career that even if he doesn't necessarily see the field or get those backup reps, I think there's a a lot of value in that that you can still uh, get the most out of that. And, And oh, by the way, if something does happen, like what other team has a Jordan Love sitting quarantined on the side if your top two quarterbacks go down because of COVID and can't play all of a sudden at the last, you know, at the last moment, and you still have a Jordan Love to go to, the 25th overall pick in the draft that you can go to in that situation sh- should something happen. I just think that's a really unique situation to be in, and I think I think it would make a lot of sense to do it that way. It's unique, and I can't think of another team off the top of my head that really has that situation in front of them, right? There's plenty of, of, of rookie quarterbacks, but they're either first-string quarterbacks or second-string quarterbacks with hopes of you know, starting later this year for the most part. So or I'm thinking mainly first-round guys. So um, it is it is really neat, and it's a theory I generally don't like, right? Quarantining a quarterback is the position that's been brought up a lot with, with, the, with, with this topic, but it's one I generally haven't liked, but the, the way you put it there, Andy, is the Packers are in a very unique situation where maybe it isn't an idiotic idea for them to pursue something like that. Perry, what, what's your thoughts on uh, on this stuff? I actually, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's team to team, right? It's a very unique situation. Right. I it think is. everyone has to sort of figure out what works best for what they have going on in the building and keeping everyone safe. I actually don't think it's a terrible idea. Um like, theoretically, it makes sense. You make sure you always have someone that's not going to be sick. Um, but I think that, I mean, I think it was Kenny Clark who said it in his press conference. It was the team that takes the guidelines the most seriously is probably going to be the team that ends up winning this year. Yeah. Um, and so if there's a situation like Andy put out where Jordan is the one that's quarantined, he gets to, you know, do all his development in a safe way. I don't see how that would be detrimental to the Packers. And sure, obviously our goal is to have Aaron play all 16 games. But again, in this weird, wacky world where anything can happen, if that's who we have sort of waiting in the wings, um, I think that puts us in a really nice, safe position. You know, one of the things that's been bouncing around my head a lot is, so let's say that they go into this season like normal, right? And they just have their three quarterbacks and they're doing everything. Like, first of all, let's take quarterback first. You know, what happens if they have an outbreak in their quarterback room? And even and let's say the quarterbacks were kind of quarantined from the rest and they, you know, to some extent and, you know, nobody else, but the, the whole quarterback, you know, room gets, you know, COVID tested and it's positive or they all have to be quarantined. If you're not keeping like a Jordan Love separate, like what are you going to do? Because you, uh, you know, if, if people haven't been playing, paying close attention to it, it sounds like at this point to get somebody in the in the building is going to take about a five to six day grace period, somewhere yeah. around there, to get a free agent in the building, right? So, like, if you're not doing that, are you, are you going John Lovett, like the, the quarterback from Princeton, who's your your fullback H-back, like, is he making the team as, like, your emergency fourth quarterback and you're just going to go, like, wildcat all game? Like, and, and the other thing, you know, so we know that I was actually going to ask this question today and I was actually having trouble with the, the Zoom call, but um, 
we we right now have uh, we've seen Mason Crosby and we've seen Hunter Bradley both on the the COVID list right now. Like, what if you're on a Saturday and you have Crosby and, and Bradley go on uh, the COVID list and they can't play for a game? Like, I legitimately believe that on the practice squad, you're going to have to have almost a long snapper, a punter, and a kicker, just because, again, if, if they were to have something happen basically Wednesday or later in the week, and yeah. you, don't, you, know, you don't have a guy on the practice squad, like, if your long snapper goes down, you might not be punting or kicking field goals or extra yeah. points the entirety of the game, which could literally mean the difference between a win and a loss. Same if, you know, if you don't have a punter, maybe Mason can, like, punt at least, like, 35 yards or something to at least flip, you know, field position a bit. Uh-huh. You know, if you don't have a kick, I mean, maybe J.K. Scott can, like, drop kick extra points. But, like, I know this is, like, really weird things to be thinking about. But it's just, like, all these contingencies that you have to be aware of that yeah. I just almost have to have a quarterback quarantine. Because if not, you are going to end up with some random player running wildcat all game. Or you could end up in that situation. And if you don't have an extra long snapper, kicker, and punter, like, quarantined on your practice squad, you could end up not being able to kick or punt or long snap for a game. It's just so, so weird to think about all these different things. Yeah, I actually think I read that uh, J.K. Scott would be the one to kick field goals and extra points, and then, like, an offensive lineman would be the long snapper. Um, But it's, it's definitely weird conditional situations that, no team ever thinks about until now. Um, like you're going into the depths of your special teams <laughs> to figure figure that out. But I mean, no no position is more important than the quarterback, and no position should be taken more seriously during these times than the quarterback position should should be. So if that means fully quarantining someone for all 16 games to make sure that they're always healthy, like so be it. Yeah, yeah, I don't hate that idea for, for for Green Bay's sake, but but on the quarterback note, this would be a nice year to have Randall Cobb around, wouldn't it be? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Because that that was the the emergency quarterback when he was around, and, and obviously some collegiate quarterback experience for Cobb, but uh, he's down in Houston uh, this year, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be. I mean, there's all sorts of weird notes, and I'm sure we're going to hear it the next week and a half or two weeks or so with every position. You know, how does COVID break down you know differently than years past uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to look at that from all angles as our team does the next two weeks so uh let's talk last note on the quarterbacks just the depth obviously it's not super normal that the Packers keep three quarterbacks on the roster we know the reasoning uh but does the depth play an advantage uh outside of the COVID notes for, for Green Bay this year Perry you want to go on this one first Sure. Um, yeah, I think I think for a lot of reasons we've talked about it definitely does. Um, I think obviously we have one of the best in the game to do it at, at number one. And then we have a guy who's been on the team for, you know, a few seasons now who we know at least we can trust that he knows the calls when he's yeah. out there. Um, not, you know, I've, I actually, Andy, I've seen Tim Boyle's arm is, is pretty nice. I mean, he can make, some, <laughs> he's, he can make some throws, right? Like I, I don't, I'm not necessarily as nervous if he has to go out there. And then, of course, we have Jordan Love. And, right, we don't think that he's a bona fide starter yet. That's why we took him. But, again, I, I it's two backups that I think I would trust on the field more than some of the backups that we've had in previous years. And um, I think in, in this season um, it, it, it feels nice to have two rather than one to fall back on. 
Yeah, I think you know. It, it, let's not kid ourselves. Obviously, if, if Rogers is to go down for any spe- you know you know specific period of time, uh, you know more than like four or five weeks, it, it's probably not going to end well, you know, in any way, shape, or form. But I do think you have two quarterbacks that at least give you a puncher's chance and give you options. And I think if you do have you know a four you know four week period of time, can you go two and two? Can you go three and one? Depending on who you're playing against, uh, I think there's some opportunity and some ability there. And again, I think it just goes back to there are a lot of teams right now where you just know if their starting quarterback goes down, they are a million percent screwed, whether it's for one game or 16 games, it doesn't matter. Heck, you know there's some teams, uh, maybe even like a little south of Wisconsin in the division, where like, <laughs> their starting quarterback you know, isn't going to give them a huge puncher's chance. And I just think you know that if Rodgers goes down, you have two quarterbacks where, let's be totally honest, they're two complete wild cards at this point. You know, Could Jordan Love all of a sudden have uh, you know everything that he showed in his uh, sophomore campaign at Utah State, and really just bring it from day one. Like th- there's a, there's a realm of possibility where that could be real, and he could be ready to go. It, do I think it's going to happen? No, but there's at least uh, again some you know timeline where maybe that happens. Um, and I think the same thing with Tim Boyle. I've seen crazier things happen. I've liked what I've seen out of him in preseason, and I think he's a wild card as well where you don't know what you're going to get. And maybe maybe either of them in a four-game series goes 0-4, but maybe either of them goes 4-0. and And I think the, the fun of it is if something were to happen to Rodgers is there's at least that unknown of like, all right, what are we going to get? What's going to happen? To an extent, you know, what when, when Favre went down in that, in that Cowboys game, um, what, however long back, and Rodgers came in in that second half, and while it, it, well, it sucked in the, that, that Cowboys-Packers game, everyone was looking forward to for like three weeks. And, of course, Favre goes down, the Cowboys are up big. But then you kind of got to unwrap this present a little bit and watch what Aaron Rodgers was able yeah. to do. Yeah. And that was like your first glimpse of like, holy crap, like he can play. And mm-hmm. like, you know, who knows if that happens with either of those quarterbacks, but at least there's some intrigue where it's just not like TJ Rubley coming in and you're like, well, there, there goes this game and probably <laughs> the season, you know? So I, I think there is at least some fun intrigue there. I think this season, and I hate to say this, but I've, I've been saying this about baseball too, is like sports this year are just a little bit fake, right? Like we don't know if we're going to get a full season out of anything. Yeah. And I think we're just mm-hmm. kind of enjoying having sports in general and bringing some level of like hope and normalcy back. And so if it's the case, right, like you said, Andy, where Aaron for some reason goes down for like five to six games and we just get to see what we have in Jordan and it's like the replacement for preseason and, and he gets that opportunity, I think that's like there's no like lose-lose situation here because yeah. either way, like I we don't know what football is going to bring and whether we're going to make it to the playoffs in a Super Bowl this season. And so anything that we get out of it, like I think you can glean some positives from that no matter what. Agreed. Absolutely a, a, an exciting room, nonetheless. I mean, this is the most excited I've personally been about a Packers quarterback room in years. Uh, it's 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 too bad we can't see it up close and personal uh, this year. But still some fun, and like you said, Perry, some sense of normalcy as, as we get uh, a, a version of training camp uh, underway uh, with with, with this, uh, this week coming up. So uh, we will see, man. We will see all of those things. But that's kind of our quarterback breakdown. Uh, from a scope of, of, of three know-it-alls, apparently. So uh, <laughs> good stuff there. Uh, Andy, I, I want to jump into something you wrote this week for PackerReport.com on rookie John Runyon, if you just want to introduce that piece and kind of bring us through it a bit. 
Yeah, so I've been trying to do these different scouting reports. You know, I think everyone right after the draft had an opportunity to to jump in and, you know, maybe watch a few games either, you know, pre or post draft on, on some of these players. But I've been trying to do a really deep dive. I was able to access some of the all 22 tape for college football. Um, I did it with Jordan Love. Um, I did it uh, with A.J. Dillon and Josiah DeGuara. I did it with Kamal Martin. And uh, recently I, I had the opportunity to watch 10 games uh, using all 22 on John Runyon. And I had, you know, 10 takeaways. I'm not going to spend a ton of time. Um, If you want to check it out, definitely go out to Packer Report. But uh, here were my kind of 10 quick takeaways. Uh, The first is he does a tremendous job winning with his hands um, to the point where almost like that's his his main weapon. And it's really weird. You know, usually when you talk about offensive linemen that win directly with their hands, you're usually talking about these big 330-pound, 340-pound mauling offensive linemen that want to play in a phone booth, and they just are going to win with pure, you know, raw bear strength. Um, That's not John Runyon. He's more uh, agile than that. But, you know, when he gets his hands on you, he is winning those battles. However, when he doesn't get his hands on you, uh, he's more often than not losing those battles. So he's very dependent on his hands, um, but he wins with his hands uh, very, very well. Um, definitely struggled with speed and athleticism on the outside. Um, I know Chase Young beat a lot of offensive tackles, but uh, certainly you could see the athleticism difference. And it's not that Runyon's unathletic. In fact, he tested out really well. But you can just tell speed rushers and guys with athleticism gave him a lot of trouble off the edge. Zach Bond from Wisconsin, Yatur Grossmatos from Penn State, um, those specific players, you know, even when he would uh, sometimes have to go one-on-one against a corner or a safety, um, that speed really gave him trouble. You know, he didn't necessarily always get great sets to the outside and sometimes when he did overset you know they were able to counter on him inside with spin moves or just even stutter steps so um, he's definitely gonna have to work on that but I think moving him inside to guard is really going to mitigate a lot of that so I think there's a lot of plus there uh, with really one of his biggest weaknesses potentially not really being a weakness if he moves inside to guard. Uh, fits really well within Matt LaFleur's scheme. They ran a lot of zone blocking at Michigan, and I think he's going to be able to transition that pretty well. Um, also, honestly, was one of the best uh, best offensive linemen that I've scouted in a long time where he was just fantastic against the blitz, against stunts, against twists. Like, if you try to confuse him or throw something at him, he was not confused. He had, like, awareness of, like, a 10-year vet on how to handle those situations. And, you know, players like Billy Turner and even Elton Jenkins, to an extent, really struggled with that uh, at the end of last season. And players really targeted the Packers with those sorts of things. Um, And it was really just a a positive to see him really be sound against those type of things. In fact, it was almost to his advantage. If you just kind of came at him with speed or athleticism, he would tend to struggle. If you tried to kind of confuse him or trick him, it was like it gave gave him more time to set and think, and he usually won those matchups. So uh, that was kind of interesting. Um, definitely needs to work on his footwork and add some functional strength would make him uh, a better run blocker. Um, has some veteran savvy. Uh, I, you know, just weird things. You can just kind of tell he maybe picked up some things from his dad. Um, even just like, you know, when to hold in, in a positive way. Like he does not have penalties. He does not jump off sides. He does not full start. He does not hold at all. Um, but you'll see him get away with some kind of veteran savvy holds where he knows that, you know, if he kind of just holds for maybe a second at the right time, like it's not going to get called. And he kind of uses that to his advantage. So uh, maybe some things he just kind of picked up from his pops or something. I'm not sure. Um, 
One other, th- or a couple other things, really quick. Really strong balance. You rarely see him, uh, saw him on the ground, um, which is a, a strong positive. You could tell he really cared about the game, and I think long term he really fits well at left guard. And I, I kind of compared him a little bit to Elaine Taylor. I think if things go well, um, I think he could be a a really solid, maybe not spectacular left guard in the NFL that could also kick out and, and kind of help out at other positions if need be. I may not ever be a Pro Bowl or All Pro level player, but I um, definitely think he has the ability to be a starter in this league long term very interesting yeah uh perry perry i i i asked for a 10 minute monologue from you on a six round guard you got anything for me um i think andy covered it pretty well (laughs) um i i think my only thing with john runyon andy that you mentioned just like the idea that he he has that insight from his dad and some of like those sort of league tricks that you bring that you learn as you're as you go the fact that he gets those insights before he comes even comes in, I think, gives him a leg up. Um, I personally felt like of all three we picked, he's the more ready to go one. Like if someone went down with an injury this season, um, I think he could come in at sort of a, like you said, maybe like a, a guard um, or just like swing. Um, obviously, like over Alex Light, right? Like we'd probably yeah. put Runyon Jr. in um, in that instance. So I just think the fact that we have someone like that um, is a positive. Um, honestly, I think the offensive line is a really big question mark going into this season. Um, and so, you know, that's, I mean, probably the reason we picked three in the sixth round, right, is that, that we need the depth there. So um, I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, you know, when I watched the first five games of him, um, I watched two from the end of 2018 and then three from the beginning of 2019, and I really didn't totally get it. it, it you know, he he really struggled in a lot of those games, and it, it like almost to an extent of where I'm like, did he just get drafted because he's John Runyon? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and then like the last five games, something clicked against Notre Dame, and he really played his best football at the end of the season. He played much better against Chase Young in Ohio State in 2019 than he did in 2018, and I thought he really finished the season strong. And and like obviously that's what you want to. You want to see him at the end of his career in college really start to put all the things that he learned together. And I think if you kind of combine that, what you saw in those last five games of him kind of being able to, um, you know, become a better run blocker, become a better pass protector, combined with the fact that he was playing out of position, he was losing because of um, some of the more athletic players on the outside. That's not his strength. I think you move him to left guard. I think his, you know, his strengths are going to be amplified and his his negatives are going to be, you know, diminished. And I, I think you can start to piece together, you know, why. Brian Gutekunst and the scouting staff really felt confident was, you know, I know it's just a six-round pick, but, um, you know, spending a six-round pick on him and, and really hoping that the end of his career in college is going to be what they see moving forward in green and gold. I can call you a nerd, but, but, but Dan, Andy, you, you do some of the best research in the biz. Really, <laughs> really, really good stuff. Full piece at PackerReport.com from Andy on John Runyon. Uh, Andy, thanks for, for that insight. Perry, uh, appreciate your insight on everything today. I think that just about wraps up today's discussion. So, uh, you know, one episode in the books, I think we did okay. Uh, so appreciate both of your time. You can find Andy on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL, Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore, underscore Goldstein, me on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe, and the show at Packaday Podcast. Join the community over there. Get all the updates on the show. Uh, the other Monday team, so we're off next week. Andy's not, but me and Perry are Ben Fennell has joined the team, so that's a big get for the Packaday podcast. He will join Andy uh, on the Mondays that me and Perry uh, do not. So really excited to see what what Ben and 
Andy bring next Monday on the defensive line. But Matt, Dan, and Janelle are tomorrow with the running backs. That does it for the quarterbacks in today's episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. We'll see you in a few weeks. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.